Secretary General of the Office of the Chief Justice. Uh, please welcome to our meeting. Um, it is now the opportunity for you to share with the portfolio committee and the honorable members. Oh, I can't uh, hear the chairperson. I can't hear the chairperson. You can't hear the chairperson. I can I hear you. On I can hear you. The other one, next one. Can you hear me now? I can hear you, chairperson. Thank you. Okay. You don't you don't seem enthusiastic. Can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> I can I, I can hear you, Chairperson. I can hear you loud and clear. Thank you, SG. I want to invite you to take the podium and uh, make your presentation. Welcome. Thank you, Chairperson, and members of the Portfolio Committee. Um, myself and the team will present the annual performance plan 2022-2023 financial year has already tabled, and the head of uh, planning and strategy and reporting, Mr. Malawi, will lead the presentation, after which we shall take the questions. Thank you very much, Mr. Malawi, over to you. Thank you, SG. Uh, good morning, acting chairperson, honorable acting chairperson, and all members of the portfolio committee. Uh, thank you for inviting us to share with the committee the OCJ 2022-23 Annual Performance Plan. Honorable Acting Chair, our presentation of the day structured as follows. We've got, uh, it's got three parts. Part A, the overview, uh, which has the following focus areas, the purpose of the presentation, the introduction, and the consultation that was undertaken by the Office of the Chief Justice in developing this APP. And part B will focus on the situation analysis with a focus area on uh, environmental scan that was conducted. And part C, which focus on measuring our performance. It will basically focus on the program performance information as the chair and the honorable members of the committee may be aware that the OCJ has three programs. The first one is administration. The second one, Program two is superior court services and program three is judicial education and support. So we'll be talking to the deliverables, the outcomes and the uh, indicators and targets in respect to all these three programs. And the other part that we'll be, talking up, uh, we'll be presenting will be the financial information and the updated risks. And that will be the end of our presentation. Honorable Chair, as already indicated, uh, the purpose of this uh, session is to present to the Portfolio Committee the OCJ Annual Performance Plan for the 2022-23 financial year. And in terms of introduction, Chair, the APP uh, for the 2022-23 financial year is the third APP towards achieving the outcome and realizing the impact as outlined in the OCJ 2020-2025 strategic plan. When developing this APP, the following instruments were taken into consideration. Uh, the DPME revised framework for strategic plans and annual performance plans, the national development plan, which is the blueprint of government, and the revised medium-term strategic framework, as well as the overall priorities of the judiciary. 
In developing this plan, Chairperson, uh, the following stakeholders were consulted in the process. The Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation, Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities, National Treasury, the Auditor General of South Africa, the Audit and Risk Committee of the OCJ, the OCJ Executive Committee, the OCJ Operations Committee, as well as the Ministry. Moving to part B of our presentation, Chairperson, uh, one of the key requirements or priorities of planning chairperson requires that when we plan we also take into consideration or into cognizance the environment in which we operate in and to give effect to that the ocj has identified both the internal and external factors that has a potential to affect you know the successful implementation of its plans and in terms of the external environment the following factors were identified the impact of the current status of the economy on access to justice social factors and their influence on the justice system and court administration, technology and its role in improving access to justice, the legal factors impacting on judicial system and the administration of superior courts. In terms of internal factors or internal environment, the following were considered the capacity of the OCJ, keeping opportunities for fraud and corruption, the health and wellness program, the ICT as a strategic business partner, the financial resources at our disposal was also one of the factors that were considered uh, business continuity management and the status of institutions regarding the compliance with triple b act and lastly the status of the institutions regarding women youth and people with disabilities honorable acting chair i'm moving now to part c which basically focus on the performance information with the direct focus. The first focus will be on administration, program one, which is administration. Program one uh, facilitated with, through the following outcome, effective and efficient administrative support. And in order to realize this particular outcome, Chairperson, we've got a number of outputs, which are key to achieving this particular outcome. The first one uh, output indicated, the first output is clean audit outcome for the Office of the Chief Justice. And the output indicator thereof is audit outcome for the OCJ. And on, over the MTF, the first year of the MTF, our plan is to ensure that clean audit outcome for the OCJ uh, is achieved for the 2021-22 financial year. The same applies to the 2023-24 uh, financial year. Our aim is to ensure that we have a clean audit outcome for the 2022-23 financial year. And the same applies to the uh, last year of our MTF, which is the 2024-25, to audit outcome for the 2023-24 financial year. The next output in realizing this uh, uh, the outcome is tenders awarded to suppliers with level four and above triple BE status. And the output indicator is percentage of tenders awarded to suppliers with level four and above triple BE status. And our aim is to ensure that over the MTF, 80% of all tenders uh, are awarded to suppliers with level four and above the people B status. The next one is output indicators. The, the next output indicator is financial disclosure submitted. My apologies, the financial disclosure submitted and the output indicator for that one is percentage of designated employees, which includes both SMS 
and other categories as prescribed by DPSA, who submitted financial disclosures within the time frame. And our target over the MQF is to ensure that 100% of SMS, including all this category of other employees, submit you know, uh, their financial disclosures within the required time frame. The next output in, re in realizing the outcome on effective and efficient administrative support is funded vacant posts reduced, and the output indicator is percentage of vacant posts on the funded establishment. And over the MTEF chairperson, our aim is to ensure that we keep our vacancy rate at 10% or lower. Other output is empowered youth. The OCJ continue to ensure that uh, it prioritizes the empowerment of youth. And you know, the output indicator for this particular output is percentage of staff in the department comprised of youth. And our aim is to ensure that over the MTF, we, all, we have 30% of our staff, uh, staff comprising of youth. The next output, Chairperson, is women representation at senior management services, which is SMS level. And the output indicator is percentage of women representation in senior management. And over the MTF, our target is to ensure that 50% of women are represented at least at SMS level. So this means that over the 2022-23, 2022-23, the target will be 50% in the 2023-24, 50% as well in the 2024-25 financial year. The other output is people with disabilities representation and the Output indicator is percentage of people with disabilities representation in the department. And the target over the MTF is to ensure that we have 2% representation of people with disabilities within the department. Continuing with the outcome on effective and efficient administrative support, chairperson, the other output is court online system implemented at service centers. And the output indicator for that particular output is num number of service centers with court online system rolled out. And in the first year of our MTF, which is the 2022-23, our plan is to ensure that the court online system is rolled out in five service centers. And then in the 2023-24 financial year, we will also roll out to additional five. And then in the 2024-25, we'll ensure that we roll it out to 11 uh, service centers. Our output is employee and health, employee health and wellness programs. And the output indicator for that output is number of employee health and wellness programs implemented within the OCJ. And our plan is to ensure that over the MTF, we roll out every year nine health and wellness programs uh, within the OCJ. Our output is fraud cases investigated within prescribed time frame. And the output indicator for that one is percentage of fraud of, of, of reported fraud cases investigated within six to working days. And we'll ensure over the MTF that at least 75% of fraud cases are investigated within 60 working days. Next one is fraud prevention and anti-corruption awareness sessions. And the output indicator thereof is the number of fraud prevention and anti-corruption awareness sessions conducted. And then our plan is to ensure that over the MTF for each year of the MTF will conduct uh, 25 fraud 
an anti-corruption awareness session across all the superior courts. Chairperson, slide 13, with your permission, uh, I would like to skip because it's just a breakdown of uh, you know the annual targets into quarterly deliverables. The same applies to slide 14. So with your permission, Chairperson, allow me, because I've already indicated the annual targets you know, for, for those particular indicators. Moving to slide 15 now, Chairperson. As much as Chairperson, we recognize the strides that has been made by government in reducing the spread of COVID-19, we also acknowledge that as a country, we are not yet out of the woods. And as a result, management has resolved to retain the following set of indicators re relating to COVID-19 as a measure to manage the risk pertaining to this pandemic. We have about five indicators that will be responding to COVID-19. The first one is number of COVID-19 OHS inspections conducted within the OCJ. And the annual target is four, meaning that every quarter we will be conducting one inspection. And the second one is uh, number of COVID-19 awareness programs implemented within the OCJ. And the annual target as well is four. And then our plan is to ensure that every quarter we conduct one awareness program within the OCJ. The third indicator in relation to COVID-19 is number of COVID-19 related trainings conducted for safety officers. And the annual target for the 2022-23 remains four, meaning that we'll also conduct one training uh, for safety officers across the OCJ per quarter. And the other one is number of COVID-19 compliance reports produced. And the target is four as well. And then our intention is to produce one COVID-19 compliance reports, every, report every quarter. And the last one, Chairperson, uh, is number of COVID-19 pandemic risk mitigation reports produced. We're also intending to produce four reports, meaning that there'll be a report in relation to COVID-19 pandemic risk every quarter. Moving now to program two, which is our core business, Superior Court Services. The outcome for this particular program is improved court efficiency, and it also has a number of outputs. And the first output is default judgments finalized within 14 days. And the output indicator for this particular output is percentage of default judgments finalized by registrars within 14 days from date of receipt of application. And during the 2023-2022-23 financial year, the target that has been set by the OCJ is to ensure that 74% of default judgments are finalized by registrars within 14 days from date of receipt. And then in the 2023-24 financial year, we'll increase by 2% to be 76%. And 24-25 financial year will also increase by additional 2%, meaning that it will be 78%, the target will be 78%. The next output in realizing the improved, the outcome on improved court efficiency is bills of cost tax within 60 days. And the output indicator for that particular output is percentage of taxations of legal bills of cost finalized within 60 days from date of set down. And the target in the 2022-23 financial year is 80%. And then it will be incremental by 5% in the 2023-24, it will increase to 85%. And then in the 
and 24-25 financial year, it will increase to 90%. The next output under program two is warrant of release delivered within one day. And the output indicator is percentage of warrant of release delivered within one day of the release issued. And the target over the MTF will be 100% for each year of the MTF. The next one is monitoring reports on law reporting project. And the output indicator is number of monitoring reports on law reporting project. Our plan is to ensure that we produce four reports over the MTF. So every year, every quarter will be having a report uh, to cover for all the quarters. The next output is judicial case flow management performance reports. And the output indicator is number of judicial case flow management reports produced. And over the MTF, we'll ensure that every year of the MTF will produce four reports. Next output is report on enhancement of court order integrity. And the output indicator is number of reports on enhancement of court order integrity produced. The plan for the 2022-23 is to produce four reports. Same applies to the 23-24 financial year, as well as the 24-25 financial year. Shepherdson, once again, the next slide, which is slide 19, is a breakdown of the annual target into quarterly targets. With our permission, I would also like to skip this one and move straight to program three, which is our last program, uh, which is judicial education and support. And the outcome for this particular program is enhanced judicial performance and is also driven by a number of outputs. Uh, the first output is uh, judicial education courses and the output indicator is number of judicial education courses conducted. And the plan in the 2022-23 financial year is to conduct 110 education, judicial education courses. And in the 2023-24 financial year is to conduct 115 and 23-24-25 to increase it to 120. Next output in realizing this outcome, the outcome on enhanced judicial performance is monographs on judicial education. And the output indicator for that one is number of research monographs on judicial education produced. And our plan is to produce two monographs each year of the MTEF. The next one is monographs reports on the management of litigation, uh, monetary reports, sorry, on the mon monetary reports on the management of litigation. And the output indicator is number of monitoring reports on the management of litigation produced. And our intention is to produce five reports on each year of the MTEF. Next output indicator, the next output is uh, reports on judicial appointments and complaints. And the output indicator is number of reports on judicial appointments and judicial complaints produced. And the intention is to produce three reports in the 2022-23, which is basically the two reports that are aligned to the sitting of the JSC as well as the annual report. And the same applies to the 2023-24, it will be three reports, and 24-25, three reports as well. And the last one under this particular program is reports on disclosures for judges' registrable interest. And the output indicator is number of reports on the status of disclosures for judges registrable interest produced. And the plan is to produce two 
reports on each year of the MTEF. I'm going to skip the next slide, Chairperson, as it's also a breakdown of the annual uh, targets into quarterly deliverables. And Chairperson, allow me to pause there and hand over to the CFO who will take the committee through the financial information. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Acting Chairperson and Honourables. Um, I'm going to take you through the slide dealing with the financial information for the MTF period. Um, the allocation of the budget for the next three years are as follows. In the administration program, Program 1, uh, 255 million rand, growing to 271 million rand over the three years. Superior Port Services, 958 million, growing to 960 million in the third year. Then Judicial Education and Support, 52 million, growing to 55 million in the next three years. Then in terms of the direct charges, judges' remuneration and um, gratuities, 1.122 billion in the first year, growing to 1.175 billion in the third year. So, in essence, the total budget of the OCJ uh, is uh, 2.388 billion in year one, which then grows to 2.463 billion in year three. When we break it down in terms of economic classification, the compensation of employees that are that is reflected on screen includes the salaries of judges as well as the voted funds for salaries of officials. So the total amount is 1.768 billion for, for both these categories. And then uh, more specifically, the voted salary COE ceiling for the first year is 780 million of the 1.768 million. Goods and services um, grows from 371 million per annum until up until uh, 381 million for the last year. Transfers and subsidies, mainly where the judges' gratuities are paid from uh, in the direct charge classification, uh, is uh, growing from 135 million to 142 million in the last year. And then purchase of capital assets, 112 million moving to 120 million in the third financial year. The, the main issue that we've been reporting consistently um, on, the, on the budget and the effects of budget cuts on the OCJ uh, still remains on the issue of compensation of employees, uh, but that has been consistently reporting as, as a problem for the OCJ. So that deals then with the presentation on finance. Thank you, Itumalin. Thank you, CFO. Chairperson, I'm going to move straight to the risks. Uh, the next slide will focus on the risks that are associated with the outcomes that we are pursuing as the department. It's already indicated our first outcome is um, effective and efficient administrative support. And there's a number of set of risks that has been identified in relation to that particular outcome. The first risk is uh, possible exposure to fraud and corruption. And how do we intend mitigating that? Chairperson will ensure that there's continuous awareness on policies 
We will strengthen internal controls relating to fraudulent court orders. We will also monitor the implementation of fraud prevention and anti-corruption strategy. The next risk identified in relation to this particular outcome is delays to implement the court online system due to external dependencies. And in terms of the mitigation, we intend to reinforce the stakeholder relation to ensure commitment pertaining to this project resourcing. The other, other risk that has been identified is possible cyber and information security incidents, which basically includes breaches and hacking. And in terms of mitigation, we intend to accelerate the implementation of the information security management programs. We'll also ensure that we conduct network and vulnerability audits and also establish ensure an establishment of the threat and vulnerability management programs. Moving to the other risk in relation to uh, the first outcome, uh, the other one is inadequate resources to capacitate the OCJ in order to operate in the new normal. And the risk mitigation is to, uh, we intend to reprioritize the availability of resources to implement the new way of doing business. And we also intend to implement and monitor compliance in relation to COVID-19 regulation. Uh, this will include amongst others, uh, deep cleaning and sanitation of the affected area at the cost and national office after any confirmed cases has been identified or reported. Chairperson, I'm moving to the second outcome, the risk pertaining to the second outcome that we have, which is improved court efficiency, which is mainly linked to our core business, which is superior court services. And the first risk uh, in relation to that particular outcome is inadequate administrative support to ensure court efficiency and the risk mitigation. Uh, we intend to mitigate uh, you know, this particular risk as follows. We'll prioritize the appointment of registrars and we'll also ensure continuous training of the registrars. And the last outcome, which is enhanced judicial performance, which is linked to, uh, linked to program three, uh, the risk pertaining to that particular outcome is inadequate resources to conduct judicial education. And in terms of mitigation, we'll ensure that we continue to implement the visual and e-learning modules for judicial education as a way to mitigate you know, this particular risk. This brings us to the end of our presentation. And thank you for affording us the opportunity to share with uh, you know, the committee uh, our annual performance plan for the 2022-23 financial year. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, SG. Uh, any final comment? You are muted, SG. Can you hear me, Chairperson? Yes, we hear you when you're not muted. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I was saying that uh, the presentation for the 2022-23 uh, APP uh, has been given and we will take questions from the members, uh, including any other comments that we will make relating to the issues that arose in the minister's overview that touches on the OCJ. We are Thank in your you. Thank you, SG. Honorable members, I invite you to 
step on the podium and uh, engage uh, this APP of uh, OCJ. Any points, questions, clarities, and uh, contributions that, that you have uh, to the office? Honorable Breitenbach, followed by Honorable Velma, Honorable Werner Horn. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson, and again, uh, good morning to everybody. I'm going to start with my most recent concern. So, looking through the previous two reports, two years' reports, the issues raised remain the same, which is, is somewhat of a problem, but I'll, I'll get to those. Um, my most recent concern is um, the oversight visit to the Supreme Court of Appeal, <clears throat> which left, I think, the entire committee uh, feeling deeply concerned, but also quite angry at how uh, that court, which which is a very important court in our judicial system, is being treated. So they have a number of, of infrastructure challenges. And, and so my question boils down to what is the relationship between the office of the Chief Justice and, and the Department of Public Works with regards to to infrastructure uh, challenges being faced by, by, the, by the courts. Does the Office of the Chief Justice get involved in these issues and assist the courts? Uh, for instance, um, President Meyer explained to us that um, the roof of the, of the appeal court has been leaking for some years now, quite badly. Uh, so badly that ceilings need to be replaced quite regularly. Um, but nothing is done to fix that. Uh, what they do is they, they just fix the leaks, patch the leaks. So um, anyone who knows that water will find the weakest point and get through. And I see, I see no sense whatsoever in spending large amounts of money patching the roof of a, of a historic building that's constantly being damaged by rain and not repairing the roof properly once and for all. Similarly, the air conditioning has been out of order since 2012. We're in 2022 now. Since 2012, the air conditioning has been uh, either unusable or barely usable. It's not been replaced. It can't be repaired. So they send in a, a, a contractor, he repairs it for half a day, at, at great cost, many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands. It's repaired at great cost, but because the system is not being maintained for 10 years, it's completely useless. And so it breaks down again within hours, and that money is wasted. It's absolutely fruitless and wasteful expenditure. It makes no sense. Spend that money on replacing the aircon system. Um, the, the Supreme Court of Appeal is designed in such a fashion that none of the courts have... None of the courtrooms have outside windows. So if there's no aircon, there's no air. And yet they spend money on patchworking a system that is so dilapidated that it cannot be repaired. They need new aircon. Are we seriously suggesting that our Supreme Court of Appeal must function without air conditioning in 2022? The electricity, they're on a load shedding schedule. 
The High Court is not on a load shedding schedule, and interestingly enough, neither is the Premier of the province on the load shedding schedule. They have lights 24-7, uh, but the Supreme Court of Appeal gets load shedding uh, on a regular basis. It's ridiculous. Does the Office of the Chief Justice get involved in these issues, and, and do they help to address them? And if so, please tell me how. Uh, the Supreme Court of Appeal has no access for wheelchairs. It has one lift. The lift shaft is flooded with water. They're unable to find anybody who can pump it out or fix it. And so the lift just doesn't work. So if anybody needs to access a court in a wheelchair, they just can't. Because there are just too many stairs. It's impossible. And that's an unacceptable approach in, in 2022. Um, is the Office of the Chief Justice dealing with any of these issues? Then um, the, the Judiciary Court-led administration model. Um, we've been told for some time now about the um, gains made and the progress made in this, in this process. Um, it, would, it would be nice to hear what the progress is to date and, and what the deadlines are for finalizing this, this process. <clears throat> then President Meyer also raised an issue about um, equipment, um, particularly um, IT equipment. The, the, the judges get systems and computers forced upon them that cost vast amounts of money, but that they don't need. Um, and that they could manage with much cheaper models, but when they suggest that, then they're told that they have to take those that they get, regardless of the fact that they don't need such expensive models and don't really want them. Um, wh what is the issue there, and uh, can, that, can that be addressed? Um, then court automation. You know, we, we have... All these problems with, uh, with the Department of Justice who clearly cannot get their act together with regards to contract maintenance. Um, and this had a serious knock-on effect to the courts, uh, so much so that they, uh, the courts just close and, and cannot dispense with justice at all. So South Africans who get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and catch three taxis to get to court uh, get sent home because the recording equipment isn't working. It's not acceptable. Um, and, and they don't deserve to be treated in this fashion. And what... What is it that the Office of the Chief Justice um, can do in, in this regard? Are they involved in, on, in these negotiations? And, and if so, how are they involved? And are they making any progress? And if not, what can we do to facilitate that? Um, we also, to my horror, discover that, that the system that, that keeps the automated um, court records uh, is dilapidated and failing, and, and in fact, it doesn't work. Um, again, that, that's really, in, in 2022, can't happen. Uh, and once again, it just points to a, a sadly inadequate system within the Department of Justice and and perhaps in the Office of the, of the Chief Justice of, of um, maintaining electronic databases of very important information. Um, how, how is this being addressed? Uh, how does the Office of the Chief Justice approach this? 
And uh, if, if they're having difficulty with it, is there some way that we can, that this committee can assist them to address that? What I view is a very important issue. Uh, I'm sure that my other colleagues will cover the many, many other issues that, that, that must be raised here. Um, but I'll settle for that in the interim. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Honorable Breitenbach. Honorable Velma, Nivo, Trichem. Thank you, Chairperson. We're just waiting for the interpreter to get the headset on. Um, good morning to the Office of the Chief Justice and the SG and your team. Thank you for the presentation. I just have two questions. Um, Honorable Breitenbach has covered me in relation to Department of Public Works. I would, however, just like to add to what she has just asked uh, in relation to when was the last engagement between the Office of the Chief Justice and Department of Public Works? Um, when was the last engagement to raise the concerns about the infrastructure, um, the aircon, and all of these um, challenges? Secondly, I see that you had a consultation with Department of Women, Youth and People with Disabilities. I would like to know the outcomes. Well, actually, uh, what was the consultation of, what was the purpose of the consultation and what were the outcomes? Uh, those are my two questions, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, um, I also have a few questions in addition to what has already been asked, um, Chair. The first is in terms of the, the planned rollout of the court online system at, at uh, what is called five uh, high courts. Uh, whether these have been identified, and if so, which are they, and what were the criteria used to, to identify the first five? Mm -hmm. um, then regarding the risks, and as the department puts it, the, the, the uh, risk of, of uh, it being prevented to fully roll out due to external dependencies on, on CETA, and home affairs and then very worrying IJS. Um, the question is really uh, whether the Office of the Chief Justice is, uh, what, what is the status of their engagement with the role players in respect of IJS? We heard this morning that the the latest response from the ministry and the Department of Justice now is to say um, the problems with the IJS will be arrested uh, because there's a board in place now, uh, which is, uh, um, yeah, uh, let, let me not unpack that statement. Uh, let's for a moment assume that that putting a board in place will, will, will assist this. Is the Office of the Chief Justice then represented on this board? Um, and to what extent, how, let, let me ask it this way, how big in their assessment is the risk that these external, external dependencies 
would ultimately prevent a rollout at the, the five high courts in, in this year. In a, uh, of course, also being mindful che- acting chair of the, of the following last year, towards the end of last year, it was prevented that the the IC, upgrade of the ICT uh, um, ICT infrastructure, according to the presentation of the OCJ towards the end of last year, was still due to what was called the non-responsiveness of the market. So can we be assured that ultimately, despite those challenges in finding or identifying and awarding a contract to a preferred service provider, that that basic upgrade of the ICT infrastructure, in fact, took place? Um, And then in addition to that, ultimately looking towards program two superior court services, it is envisaged that more or less one in five of the the people employed by the OCJ at this program will be shed come 2024-2025 with a with a number of, of of staff being reduced from 20, 2010 to 1682. Um, so the, the questions around this is. How will the OCJ go around uh, go about achieving this? Um, has there been an um, uh, uh, exercise undertaken to identify who will be those persons whose functions will be replaced by the online system? Um, and if so, what is the 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 current? employment status of, of these people and their eligibility to be still employed by 2024, 20, 2025, because ultimately uh, this is a very worrying thing in the sense that if it is somebody who's in a, in a full-time um, permanent employment of the OCJ, then of course to, to, to just make these posts redundant will have a massive financial impact and and we ask this mindful of the fact that that of course budgetary allowances for for um, salaries remain a, a constant issue as to, has been identified again today by by the CFO. Uh, then uh, acting chair, in terms of the case backlog plan, um, we were assured on numerous occasions during the course of last year that that the, whilst the deputy minister was involved with, with coming up with a proper plan to address the case backlogs that was uh, first, uh, let's say, accelerated or, or compounded the issue by, by COVID and then by the court recording technology. But we were also informed that the OCJ would play a leading role and the judiciary. So if, if uh, we can be informed as to what what has transpired to to come up with with that final case backlog plan then in terms of cyber security um, we uh, previously the OCJ indicated that they would be dealing with an uh, firstly a, a learning exercise and investigation as to what caused the, the, the previous breaches. We see today that it is still identified as an um, um, ongoing and, and present risk. 
and and I don't necessarily want, uh, as we said previously, the the let's say all of the the final and full details around what is being done, but to say this acting chair, it is a bit worrying if if it is presented as an future exercise that network vulnerability and audits and programs is to be established but if one considers that the the, the previous uh, breaches happened as as far back as 2020 and now we're in 2022 and the from the presentation today it would then seem that the risk remain as it previously was so i would want to ask uh, without going into full details as to whether uh, at least some basic due diligence has unfolded in the since 2020 and the previous breaches to to update cyber security and um, give a, a better protection and then lastly in terms of slide 27 um, also in terms of risks there is one statement which i i failed to properly understand just on the face of it acting chair and that is the statement that the in the in the ranks of the OCJ there, there's not the, the necessary skill set in order to operate in what is called the new normal. Um, and, and I assume it 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 it, it refers to COVID-19. Um, but 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 it, I mean it is an astounding statement to make uh, uh, if we for for a moment then assume that the COVID is, is yet to stay, as many experts would say. I, I want to ask the OCJ, what have they then done since 2020 to to, to bring that skill set into in, into uh, into play? Um, and and if they have not done much, what is the plan going forward? Because ultimately, we we can't have this situation. And I think that's ultimately the practical aspect around this acting chair, where where public institutions just close for for days on end for deep cleaning and this and that. I mean, it, uh, surely we must now be past that. And this statement really worries me that what we in terms of the OCJ we're still there. So if that can be unpacked a bit further, thank you. Thank you, Honourable Barry the last, uh, Honourable uh, Steve Swart. Uh, thank you, Chair, and thank you for the presentation. Um, I've been largely covered by my colleagues. I wanted to just touch on one or two other aspects relating to the SEA. And again, with the background of um, Honourable Breitenbach asked, what role does the OCJ play with this? Because many of these issues relate to public works, such as the issues relating to, um, in addition to what Honorable Breitenbach said, the, the, apparently there's a useless backup generator that doesn't help, that ties up with the issue relating to load shedding. And there, there was um, apparently a letter written to the OCJ by the SCA requesting that the SCA should be treated as a national key point. Is there any progress in this? Because clearly it's untenable that the Supreme Court of Appeal should be subject to load shedding and should have a, a backup generator that apparently does not work. Then um, can I also just refer that apparently there are problems with a basics such as telephones. And can we 
just find out because apparently the OCJ has not been able to assist in this regard. This is the feedback that we've had from the president of the SCA. Then I, I, I wanted to ask a more broader question about the budgeting process for the judiciary. We appreciate the fact that the OCJ plays a strong role in that regard, but I think it's a concern and I'd like some clarity as to what role does the judiciary play in the broader budgeting process? Does the judiciary have any direct access to Treasury? I think when we were all in the Constitutional Court a few years ago, when the annual report was delivered by the Chief Justice, where he indicated that there was no input from the Chief Justice side, besides through the Office of the Chief Justice, relating to the budgeting process with Treasury. And we already picked up now recently with our visit to the SEA, where President Meyer indicated a lack of consultation with the judiciary on spending on equipment by, to be used by judicial officers, which they indicated was the purchase of expensive laptops, for example, that sometimes were not needed. So I'd like some clarity as to that process, which we as Parliament have a similar concern where, where we um, in the budgeting process just for Parliament. So where we sit as three separate legs in terms of the Constitution, that process, I'd like some clarity in, in that regard. Then there, there's been concerns about um, court orders in the past. I'd like some clarity as to what systems are in place to safeguard the integrity of court processes and court orders. I think that is a, a, an aspect that must be of great concern to all of us if there are um, issues related to leaking of or fraudulent court orders, um, what is being done to enhance that those processes. Clearly, from our perspective, we would be concerned about the budget cuts um, and the impact that that will have on the Office of the Chief Justice. Um, as indicated, these, are, these will have an impact on the operation of the superior courts in the country, the high courts, the SCA, the Constitutional Court, particularly when it comes to vacancies. And it might be helpful if you were to highlight the very urgent issues. We appreciate the very urgent issues when it comes to that. And so that we have a full appreciation what the impact would be. Uh, increasing backlogs at all the superior courts, local seat circuit courts, uh, training programs would have to be scaled down. Some of these implications so that at a later stage, we would have been alerted because at the end of the day, Parliament is the one that approves the appropriation bill, the, the budget. Um, just on the court online system and case lines, case lines has been very effective. I, I, I want to commend OCJ and the Chief Justice for the process of case lines, but it needs to be um, rolled out broader to all superior courts. And I understand that was going to take place in this financial year. Um, could we get... Um, is, is that still on course? Um, my experience uh, with case lines in, I think it's North and South Gauteng courts, it's very effective and that would be very helpful. And we would like a time frame for the rolling out of these systems to, um, that's court online system and case lines to the superior courts. Can I just then, I think, Chair, I've basically uh, been covered in these um, 
aspects. I think the, the, the issue related to the financial constraints was, of course, the, the main concern. So thank you from my side. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Swart, for those uh, uh, contributions. Um, SG and your team, uh, I now hand over to you to respond. Thank you, Chairperson and Honorable Members. Um, the, I will, will take the, the responses and will, will, with your permission, Chairperson, uh, put together the questions that are related so that we can deal with that in that uh, in a holistic manner. Um, I just want to first maybe take out of the way the issues that falls within the area of the judiciary, which is uh, mainly the case backlog, and the maybe let's start with the judiciary-led court administration. Um, and I, I think members are aware that this is a question that we always get. And um, I think in the minister's uh, overview, he has indicated that he will be giving attention to that. From our side as the administration, uh, quite frankly, this is a policy matter that, requ that requires uh, the executive to uh, engage with the views and the positions adopted uh, by the judiciary in their institutional models report that was submitted to the executive some years ago, as already indicated. And therefore, from our side, we will play only a role of an input uh, with regard to the policy as and when the minister begins to engage with that process. And I and I think that uh, the minister also will be engaged with cabinet on that. So the response in a nutshell is that uh, as the OCG administration, we will be guided by the ministry and executive with regard to what the their response and what the position is with regard to the judiciary-led court administration. And therefore, we cannot on our own initiate any progress in that regard. On case backlogs plan, we are aware of what was said in the past regarding the case backlog uh, and the measures that were put in place. But as you will recall, uh, uh, committee members, this matter falls squarely within the, uh, the, the role of the chief justice and the heads of court in the judicial space, which they deal with when they present their report every year, the judiciary annual report, and they deal with this matter in that in that sense. Um, I am not aware that uh, at any stage the OCJ being the administration will be leading, but uh, I think it is the judiciary that leads on this part, just for the sake of clarity on that one. Um, the, I wanted to deal also with the issue in general, the the head of, I mean, the CFO will deal with the budgeting aspects. But just to indicate that uh, how the court online will impact the staff in the courts um, and and how the permanent jobs will be, I think it's one of the questions that was raised by one of the members, uh, the risk of permanent jobs being rendered redundant because of the uh, automation or especially the Court online, etc. Uh, just to say that uh, members, we have always operated in the administration uh, with constraints with regards to the number of staff that are required to effectively serve the courts. In all the courts, starting with the biggest, which is routing through to the smallest, 
Uh, of course, the challenges will differ from court to court, but the limitations remain the same. But we have never had an instance where we had sufficient number of officials to do the work relating especially to the court, which is the court processes. So therefore, we have always operated on a deficit when it comes to skills as well as the competencies and, and, and the human uh, and bodies to do the work. So at, uh, against that background, therefore, when automation comes, the natural process will be that obviously those areas that we haven't been able to do, if it frees up the, the, the hands of the employees who are there, Will, will be looked at as the, in, in that context. But it does not necessarily mean that any job is going to be rendered. I do not foresee that eventuality ever happening in the courts myself. And I can speak on, on authority on that. Uh, but also the other aspect is that um, there is a natural attrition. National att natural attrition being those people who have been in the system for a long time are now retiring in the courts. Uh, those are mostly in the area of the core business of the courts in court processes. So the replacement thereof also becomes an issue um, with regard to the budget cuts that the uh, CFO has already alluded to. And obviously, as you're listening to me, probably you're asking what is the, what is the response, what is the department doing about it? Uh, myself and the CFO, we engage with the HR on this matter to constantly look at how the COE budget impact is on the on the staff uh, and, and the staffing of the and the human capacity of the organization. And in doing so, we make sure that as attrition happens, as we lose some of the people who have been long and skilled in the in the institution on court processes, how we prioritize that, that we do on a regular basis. So I can assure you that it is something that we are really doing on a continuous basis. And, and therefore, there is no risk uh, of permanent jobs getting redundant. People will just be reskilled into other areas and be able to do that, which we do on a continuous basis. Um, I just want to address on the SCA, not uh, necessarily in all the details, uh, with regards to the issues that are raised by the committee relating to the president of the SCA. Um, I must say for, for, for myself and the team, uh, we, we, we are not aware of any instances where we went and procured any expensive uh, computers or laptops or any gadgets for the for the judges without a, any any consultation or, or, or spending money that is not necessarily uh, 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 supposed to be spent on those items. When COVID hits the cause, as it hit the country and any other place of the world, uh, the computers and the gadgets that we had as ICT tools were not geared up, were not ready for having to do work virtually. And therefore, it means if the computer that a specific judge would have is not compatible to be able to go virtual, naturally, we have to go and procure the, the, the laptops and the computers that will be able to assist the courts to function virtually as it was the case in the last two years. So that was what was happening. And this I am not aware, and I can stand on, on, on that, that there is no official who will go and buy any computer for any judge and just knock on the door and arrive and, and present it without having explained. We do that because we do have a committee of judges that also looks at ICT. There's a lot of 
governance that is in place in relation to how we consult with judges on these matters. And all the courts are involved and all the courts are engaged. I am not trying to say that we are a perfect uh, staff who does who will do everything uh, right. Of course, if mistakes are made, they can be made. But I can vouch that we've never bought anybody a computer that it does not need. But also on the issue of reinvestment, there was an issue around judges having to buy for themselves the data uh, uh, because we are not able to. Uh, there was an instance recently that CETA was off. And when CETA is off, we switched to Vodacom. That is the backup that we have. And we also have Mimecast as a backup when the when our system uh, reaches some of these glitches that some, some of them we don't have control over. The OCJ is not in control of CETA, and therefore when CETA is affected, it's not only I think the OCJ that's affected, the entire government that is linked there is affected. So, um, and I can understand the frustration from the judges when they don't understand that it is not necessarily us who are cutting them off. But as I've said, we go to Vodacom and then we go to Mimecast to make sure that we have a backup for the judges coming for the courts and the judges and the staff to be able to operate. I I just wanted to raise those issues at a high level and just indicate that um, we are are not necessarily oblivious to, to that. When the judges work at home, as COVID hit historically, the reinvestment process kicked in and to make sure that judges, they function, they are paid for the data that they incur. It is not only judges, even officials that are linked to support the judges, we do that for them. So it is policy, it is in place, that's what we have done. I just wanted to get that one out of the way. Um, maybe let me pause here, uh, uh, Honorable Chairperson and members, and let the uh, the CFO deal with the financial aspects, if there's anything he needs to add as well as the, uh, uh, Mr. Nubia will deal with the court online aspects. Thank you. Thank you, Etri. Um, Honorable Chairperson, I'm going to deal with the um, infrastructure challenges that were raised, uh, some of the questions. And then uh, on yes, the budget... Start, start first with the, with the, with the budget, because then we'll, we'll, we'll come back. Hello, your network is very unstable. We cannot hear you. Please uh, reposition yourself. Can you hear me now, Chairperson? Chairperson, can you hear? Hello, Chairperson. We can't hear us. My God. We can hear, quite possibly it's the acting chair that's having a challenge. Oh. Uh, Okay. Uh, Should we then proceed to wait for the acting chair? Acting chairperson, can you hear us? Um, I don't know if other members of the committee can hear us. We can hear you very well, but it would be pointless to continue without... The chair or the acting chair, so it's just a little Good day, members. Let me just check with um, the chair quickly. We'll come back. I think he has, he has network problems.
Chairperson, can you hear us? It, it, it was me who had the challenge. Can you can you hear us, Chairperson? Can we proceed, Chairperson? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, thank thank you. Um, and I, I had just paused when I said the CFO will deal with the with the with the finances. I think. Yes, I can hear. Also. Yes. Um, just one 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 comment before the CFO deals with finance and some of the infrastructure issues. Um, just to remind the committee that we still have um, the facilities management and facility and security management uh, functions retained by the DOJ. So our engagement is obviously via the the DOJ to DPW. And that is not an excuse, but at official level, when we do engage with the officials in DPW as and when the matters arise, and uh, I will leave it at that. Just uh, I wanted to just uh, to remind the committee that we don't have that control of that function, though we are not trying to shy away from responsibility. CFO, over to you. Thank you, SG uh, and Honourable Chairperson. Um, on the issue, the question is raised on the budget. Um, firstly, in terms of the, because the OCJ is a national department, we are guided and bound by the PFMA in terms of the budget processes and principles. Um, over and above the PFMA, um, Section 54 of the Superior Courts Act also prescribes the process of um, the engagement by the judiciary with the Minister of Justice um, at the time of budget submission. So in practice, the, um, the heads of court are engaged in terms of the budget needs and submissions by the provincial heads, which is then combined in a consolidated budget um, to the OCJ national office, which is then submitted to the Minister of Finance, to the Budget Committee in National Treasury uh, and the Minister of Justice. So to answer the question, because we are functioning as a national department, there is no direct, direct in, interaction between the judiciary and national treasury when the judiciary as an arm of state's needs are or should be addressed. Uh, and that is basically the, 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 the only way that the budget is being dealt with. Um, through engagement with the heads of court, their the needs and, and priorities are submitted, but then it is treated similar to any submission by any national department in the budgetary process. Then on, on the issue of infrastructure challenges, the SG has already now raised the issue of the retention of the function in the Department of Justice, which then um, forces the OCJ to directly engage with the Department of Justice and escalate our matters to DPW through that process. However, but that is in the judicial space and I don't want to go too much into that part, there is an infrastructure committee that was established by the heads of court, which is led by one of the heads of court and there are engagements with public works at that level where issues that are then raised with the Department of Public Works um, are, are noted and then given to us in the OCJ as officials 
and we then at provincial level as well as national level engage with the colleagues in public works and the department of justice to make them aware of the critical infrastructure matters that comes from the judiciary in terms of the courts the the, the one issue that um that we do not however have control over is if an issue is raised with them what the responses are going to be what the budget is going to be that's allocated because that falls with um, outside of the, the space and the mandate of the of the OCJ. Um, on the specific challenges at the uh, Supreme Court of Appeal, I do know that the issues that, that were raised in terms of generator, roof leaks, air conditioning is on the list that is being dealt with um, by the colleagues in the, the province, um, as well as has been escalated to the national level at, of public works as well. So the OCJ is aware of that, and in those engagements, um, these matters are attended to. Um, maybe just to, to add on to the, the issue of the computer equipment that the SG raised, I think it's also important that the committee members must note that um, departments do not procure ICT equipment in isolation. There is a transversal contract or transversal contracts that are issued by CETA uh, for each and every type of equipment, whether it's a desktop or a laptop, with certain specifications that we need to use those contracts with those specifications when we procure. The only thing that we do is we assess whether the computers that are the specifications that are given to us by the transversal companies and CETA whether they would comply with the needs. And as SG rightfully indicated, for instance, will that type of equipment enable virtual courts? Would that type of equipment be sufficient to implement and maintain the rollout of the requirements of case lines and court online, which obviously needs a higher specification type of laptop or, or desktop than your normal run-of-the-mill uh, laptop that you can buy from any, any um major store. So there are also prescripts that we need to comply with when it comes to, to that procurement. Um, SG, I, I don't know whether you want me to proceed with the CRT issue while I'm on the floor. Um, yes, yes. Um, I think on the issue of the cyber security, whilst, whilst we are still on, on, on ICT, there was an issue of cybersecurity, and the member asked for details, with, not necessarily details with regards to the risk, and why we are still having it in our risk register. Um, I, I, I think my comment would be that it does not necessarily mean uh, that we have done nothing since the breach in 2020. We have taken the permit in confidence and submitted a comprehensive report subject to our last meeting when it was raised on what we have done. We are not saying that the issue is not uh, managed. What we are saying here is that it, we still have to keep it our eye on it because I think even beyond our, ourselves as the OCJ, big companies are being attacked. They are being breached banks and every big organization that has more resources than what we have. So it is a risk that we cannot de-escalate and, uh, and remove from our side. So I just wanted to clarify that uh, with regards to this still remaining a risk of vulnerability. 
in, in that context. Um, the, you can deal with the code recording, uh, but I wanted to deal with the, because we have covered the, we have covered the, the infrastructure. Um, the issue of, of generators is a, is, a, is, a is a national problem with the courts. And I don't, I don't think it's only because all the state buildings are having the same issue, but it is the mandate that's for squarely in the DPW. We do engage with them, but the national key point declaration is a, is a legislation that is uh, uh, administered by the South African Police Service. Um, and to the extent to which they will agree to have the national key point declared, uh, on the on the SCA, uh, one will still have to to see whether it will happen because we have other aspects that we had raised, um, and there are many uh, engagement that happened in the past where even the Concord itself and the SCA and others will identify why they are not a national key point. Uh, but I just want to clarify that the declaration is a is a, is a South African Police Service. Uh, uh, competency which uh, does not fall within us and it has been raised be before even at a high level between the, the chief justice meeting with the with the i think with the minister of police in the past i just wanted to place that and so you can proceed with the with the other aspect that you wanted to raise thank you thank you sg um the one question on ict that i haven't addressed yet was the uh, previous reports of non-responsive bids for the infrastructure upgrades or infrastructure refresh. I can report that those um, procurement processes were concluded last year in the previous financial year, and the OCJ is awaiting delivery from the appointed service provider. And the reason why there's a, a slight delay in the delivery is because of the worldwide backlog in terms of manufacturing Manufacturing and specifically in relation to the microchip shortage that is an essential piece of equipment that comes with every ICT infrastructure that, that one procures nowadays. So, yes, procurement has been concluded. Once the equipment uh, starts arriving, we will then um, engage or uh, commence with the process of implementing the, the new infrastructure. On the issue of CRT machines I, and the court recording technology, I think the, the committee members have been appraised by the Minister and the Department of Justice in terms of the procurement processes, which um, have not yet been concluded, uh, of which the OCJ is a partner in terms of a participant of the services. So, so the procurement process lies within the Department of Justice. We, we did have an opportunity to make one input to the procurement process, and that was to ensure that the list of all our courts are, are captured within that procurement process so they don't um, leave out one of our sites. So, so that was our input into that procurement process. But what we have done as the OCJ in the meantime, the SG has um, allowed us to to enter into a short-term contract through a, a, a procurement process internally in the OCJ, where we have requested submissions from various service providers to do maintenance and repairs of the CRT machines for a period of six months um, in anticipation that the CRT contract would be concluded by the Department of Justice. And this short-term contract is now exclusively for interim repairs and maintenance of CRT machines in the superior courts. 
to ensure continuation of services. What um, the court administration unit has also done is uh, when the contract came to an end uh, previously uh, last year, 2021, um, they realized that there might be a problem and a shortage. The OCJ then also procured a few uh, mobile CRT machines that are then um, couriered to wherever there is a major problem in this regard to ensure that where there is a court that doesn't have a machine that's operational and functioning, that we have a backup. Obviously, we do not have enough of those resources, but that is also a measure that has been in, uh, been deployed by the court administration unit. So hopefully, um, once the contract with justice is concluded, then we will revert to the contract with the Department of Justice, and, and then we will also have to make use of their service provider for um, future repairs and maintenance and procurement. Uh, on the issue of the telephones that were raised by, I think, Honorable Swart, um, telephones in the ACA, the issue with the telephones are linked with the issue that the ACA raised on the PETA lines. Uh, because we are utilizing unified communication systems, the moment the CETA lines go down, then your telecommunication lines also are being affected because the unified communication system, which runs the, the, the PABX of the court, uh, is on the Vodacom network. So the moment CETA goes down, where we run other services on, everything moves over to Vodacom, and then the Vodacom um, network gets overloaded, and that has an impact on the telephone system for that short period. So it will be an intermittent issue until CETA has then recovered the lines and we can then revert back to Vodacom for, for telephones and internet, and then the CETA lines then take up the other responsibilities of your transversal systems like BAS and Parcel. So it's a it's an overloading issue. It's not an issue that is persistent or, or, or something that needs a, a replacement of any systems. Thank you. Um, I'm done with okay. Yes, um, honorable members, uh, I do confirm that I am a member of the IGS board um, as well as our representation at the IGS and further confirm that our con on online project is, is funded through the IGS. Um, so I will hand over to Mr. Nubet to deal with the questions relating to the court online and he can also touch on the our role at the IGS level, besides the implementation and the plans going forward. Mr. Nubi. Thank you, SG, and uh, good morning to the members and the chair. Um, the SG has already indicated that uh, she is a member of the board of the uh, uh, DG board of directors for the IJS. There's also the implementation committee, uh, which supports the board and the uh, um, OCJ is represented in that in that in that particular committee. Uh, uh, with specific reference to the court online project, uh, there is also a steering committee uh, chaired by the OCJ. There are representatives from different stakeholders. One being IJS, as people who are funding the project. We have uh, monthly meetings that they have been attending since the inception of the project. Also, we have CETA represented uh, in that particular committee and they attend the meetings quite frequently. So all the challenges that we have been facing 
uh, in the Cotton Line project, um, in terms of the delays, uh, all of us have been uh, uh, have been affected by it. But all of us, as a team and a committee, we have been dealing with them. So at this point in time, uh, I must indicate that a lot of progress has been made, and uh, we should be thanking IJS for always ensuring that the funds uh, are, uh, are available. And they have also indicated to us that we've been able to spend uh, all funds that have been allocated to the project on time and nothing was ever returned. Uh, I think it is also important just to touch on this, Chairperson, uh, because the question was raised uh, regarding the equipment. When we are implementing the cotton line, one of the requirements was to ensure that uh, there is necessary infrastructure in place this also includes the equipment that is being bought. And so when we uh, decided on purchasing the laptops, just to add on what has been said already, uh, part of the requirement was to ensure that the laptops that are being purchased going forward will be able to support the cotton line project. So everyone uh, is being prepared for that. So all the courts, uh, especially the, the SCA and the, and the Concord, We've made sure that they, the infrastructure is ready for the cotton line, but also the equipment that the judges are using will also be aligned to that. Uh, if it's a desktop for the, for the registrars, it should be uh, all in one desktop. So I just thought I should mention that it is not just the thumb sucking, it is based on the requirements as per advised uh, by the CETA and also uh, by the implementing uh, service provider. When it comes to the uh, which courts uh, are going to be uh, next, uh, the role that the OCJ plays is that of advising the committee that uh, handles these issues, which is chaired by one of the heads of court. Uh, we've indicated to them, as I've said now, that the court that should be next after Gauteng should be court that will have all the infrastructure ready in terms of uh, 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 equipment, in terms of people being trained and so on. But of course, we appreciate and we are loved to the fact that the most uh, uh, apex court, the apex court and the most uh, next in-line court, which is the SCA, will have to be considered first. But of course, all other courts, in our view, are just as important. However, OCJ does not make the decision we only present the the, uh, the state of readiness to the committee, and they then get their direction from the heads of court uh, meeting, which will then indicate which court should be next. But uh, as we've indicated, we've tried to ensure that all the courts are ready, and uh, if required, uh, those details can be made available. Um, but also, the committee that I've referred to which is the steering committee, has also dealt with the issues that SG touched on uh, what happens when the court online is implemented in all courts will be there uh, post that become redundant. I must just indicate that right now where we've implemented the court online, as you might be aware in Gauteng already, with effect from uh, 29 March, we are using some of the officials, the ushers, we've trained them we are using them as people who are going to assist uh, litigants who will be doing the walk-ins at the court 
uh, so that they are, are assisting them to use the kiosk. But two, we already have uh, call centers in Johannesburg and Pretoria, and the people who are handling that are people uh, who we have identified as the ushers because they're the most experienced and understand the court processes. So uh, just to add on what ST has said to say, uh, this has been looked at. We have HR in our committees who are also uh, ensuring that issues of change management and uh, organizational OD um, is being dealt with properly. Um, I think SGI have dealt with all the issues relating to court online. Uh, court integrity. I'm sorry, SG. There was a question on court orders, court order, in, court integrity of the court orders, and what's in place to protect it from fraudulent practices. Thank you, SG, for that. Um, the 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 issue of, of fraudulent court orders. I must indicate that um, it, it's, it, there is a committee also that is chaired by a judge, uh, a judge president at that. Um, and we have been working with the judge to identify the measures that we can put in place to ensure that this uh, phenomenon uh, is prevented. But I think I must highlight that uh, we have two scenarios. The, the first scenario is where the actual order itself is 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 is, is, is what's the word that I'm looking for? Is manufactured for the lack of a better word outside the court environment. So where a, a person in the street will create something that looks like a, a court order. What we have then done is to say, uh, when members of the public, and we can go on, on our website, when members of the public encounter such and want to verify whether that is a genuine court order, they must approach a chief registrar and the chief register, of course, we don't tell members of the public what we look for, but the chief register would then be able to identify certain features that we have put in place to make sure that they're such. If you go back to prior this implementation, you'll see that uh, all the high uh, divisions of the high court had different templates for their court orders. Um, what happens now that if you go to any high court, you will see that all the court orders are the same. Just from the face of it, they look the same. And, and of course, uh, without mentioning in public what the features are, we have certain features that we have put there that only we know how to identify. So that's the first one uh, uh, that we are dealing with. But internally as well, uh, we also have put measures in place to ensure that there is a process from the time, because what we found in very few incidents, what we find is that uh, sometimes these people would approach one of our officials and uh, what would have been a genuine court order, but the contents have been interfered with. So we have put a system in place to ensure that um, uh, uh, when the judge makes an order from there on, uh, there is a way of dealing with, with the information until such time that the judge signs the order. Uh, so that we've put in place as well. I don't know if it should be advisable to say it here, but uh, we are happy to divulge what process there is. But of course, the last one would be that um, in Gauteng, where we have now started with the court online, it will help us a great deal dealing with these issues of fraudulent court orders. 
maybe lastly, as to just there was an issue. Uh, I know it's not my area, but there was an issue relating to the SC, how often do we meet with the PW? That has been yeah. dealt. I just thought I should mention that at the court level, um, also the directors meet with uh, uh, with uh, um, but with the PW, not just at national level. At the court level, just for the SCA, for, because the question was asked specifically, the last meeting that took place between the officials and the director of the SCA and DPW in that region was on the 22nd of March, 2020, uh, 2022. So that is quite recent. And these meetings, obviously, they happen quite frequently. Um, and all these issues that are being raised, either by judges or ourselves, are also raised with them. So we have records to show that uh, these meetings do take place. Thank you, SG and Chapter. Thanks, thanks, Nati. And to add to what uh, Mr. Nube has already indicated, the the JPs also preside over the PECs, um, um, which uh, also uh, include the DPW in the in the meetings uh, on dealing with some of the issues and the challenges that impacts court performance at uh, court level. Um, I will also touch on before Mr. Malau deals with the issue of uh, engagements with women department relating to uh, other aspects. There was a question on slide 27 around the tools of, no, no, what to, to unpack, what do we mean that the CJ doesn't have adequate skill sets to operate in the new normal. Um, what we are actually saying in this instance is that um, on one hand, um, the budget cuts uh, that are being imposed uh, across all the departments uh, in government has an impact on also our capability to be able to source these tools of trade that we need. That, that, that only doesn't include um, only refer to the computers, laptops, etc. It includes also systems that facilitate work uh, that are related to certain technical areas that you need to buy the software to do certain things. Um, and I think uh, the members would know that currently uh, uh, the, 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 the leave is automated, is being automated in other areas of government. Uh, uh, pay slips are, are being automated. Uh, there are many areas that are that are being automated. There are other tools that technical areas need to be able to uh, do their work instead of doing it manually, doing it uh, uh, using the systems. I think that can apply in risk, that can apply in audit, etc. There's different softwares that are required. Those are tools of trade that are, are assist the department or organizations to perform. Uh, optimally. That is on the tools of trade side of issues. Uh, on, the, on the other side of, of, of this is automation uh, at the court process level, especially not that it doesn't apply to other uh, administrative side of things. Uh, the court online uh, has one aspect that will require uh, ICT automation skill, ICT skills, COVID-19 going virtual, uh, as well as generally, as I've indicated, uh, I think we are now operating in, I don't know whether it's still the fourth or the fifth industrial revolution. I don't want to expose myself. That's not my technical area. Um, the Internet of Things. I mean, everything now is going very uh, automated to the automated side of things. So what we are saying here is that we cannot be oblivious to the fact that the world is moving there 
to the Internet of Things. And obviously, historically, our workforce is not, was not geared for that. So it is a matter that we need to lift out as a risk to say that once we are trying our best to do all these things, the budget cuts are impacting on us and making it more and more difficult for us to have the resources to be able to be relevant in the in the world of technology as it stands today. That is in a nutshell my uh, uh, to that question. Thank you so much. Itu, you can cover the area and then we can go back to the chair so, so that we can take it forward. Yes. Thank you, SG. Uh, Honorable Chair, there was a question from Honorable Nebo Draven relating to the purpose of the consultation in the Department of Women uh, and the outcome thereof. Chairperson, uh, in relation to the revised framework for strategic planning and annual performance, it requires that when developing our plans, departments should consult with the Department of Women, which is a leading department on priorities relating to women, youth, and people with disabilities. The main purpose, basically, of this consultation is to ensure that priorities relating to women, youth, and people with disabilities are taken into consideration and forms part of the departmental plans. The outcome of this consultation, Chairperson, led to the inclusion of the three outputs uh, that I've already alluded to. Uh, the first one being the one on youth empowerment, and the second one being on representation of women at SMS, as well as the one on representation of people with disabilities. So all these outputs have been covered on our APP, and this came as a result of uh, you know the revised framework as well as, well as our consultation with uh, you know the Department of uh, Women. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I think we have covered from our side uh, all the questions that we asked. Back to you, Chairperson. Okay, thank you. Maybe just from my side, uh, before we, we, we wrap up, uh, one just to, on, on a very uh, quick and easy question to connect with Honorable Horn on the, on the register, on the risk register. A simple question to ask SG, is your risk uh, register functional? Is it functional? Or are you having this uh, well put together risk register? Because it's a work of consultants, there's something in the shelves to, to impress us about. And I'm asking if it is fun functional in the sense that, is it working? That's the question that one is asking. And, and to answer that, one would need to understand whether uh, that unit that's responsible for the functioning of this, monitoring of this, uh, acting on it, is itself uh, uh, fully capacitated. Uh, what unit is that? Who does what and, and, and is, is this uh, budgeted for? But it's one thing to, I've seen many who do that. They'll come and present a risk register. And just from the paper, it looks very good. Because all you have to do, you have to identify what this risk is, so outcome, and is how you're going to mitigate it. But we've, we've kind of grown beyond that uh, to want to know if it's working. And, and, and I want you to answer that uh, to the best of your ability, because you're going to be with us. We're going to monitor this. We're going to check it when you come in front of us about whether it is functional. 
that, that, that's the first uh, quick uh, uh, follow-up I want to raise. The second one, SG, I, I seem to have missed it in your, in your annual performance plan. You can point me towards where it is. We, we visited the Tata court, High Court. One of uh, the few things that we're impressed about was their, their library, this judicial library, uh, in support of the, uh, the judges. Um, there are quite a number of questions that came out of that, and, and I'm, I'm going to use Mtata so that it covers all the other courts. I have not seen in your in your indicators, in your issues of objectives as to how you are, you support these judicial uh, library that that are there, uh, and how capacitated are they? Um, and and for Mtata, I'll give an example. You, you have a good librarian there who has no assistant librarian. That when she's she's ill, as it happened for two days away, uh, the judges are stuck. They don't, they, they can't get assistant. You don't have a, 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 an assistant librarian. You don't have a principal librarian. Um, and it's quite an important service uh, uh, that, and I, I, I missed it. I couldn't pick it up in your, in your indicators. Uh, and, and, and link that with your judicial uh, education one of the things they've raised was the lack of training, lack of continuous training of these librarians, not even workshops yeah, that, that they go to, uh, to, to, to refresh themselves and, and, and capacitate themselves more. Uh, and then there was the issue of the, what you call these heritage books, uh, that there's basically no budget for it, your, your law reform books. And I mean, we could see it there uh, in that library. You've got uh, you've got a lot of uh, uh, material there, which is important for the work that the judges do. Um, and 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 they don't seem to be uh, getting this kind of a proper assistance. You know, these heritage books that you have that you don't you can't even cover them because they have got to remain as 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 they are as part of this. Uh, jurisprudence and a, a home kind of grown thing. So I, I, I'm just interested as to, um, are you able to point to me how that support from your APP uh, is done so that we, we can follow that? Uh, and the last point had to do with this disposal of old kind of items that you've got in their space. They're not able to, to, to have a new space because they, there is no service that does this to, 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 to empty what they no longer uh, kind of need. And yet in some high court, uh, it does happen. Uh, thank you, uh, SG, your response. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Honorable Chairperson, members. Um, I will deal with the with the risk. Um, firstly, to assure the committee that we do have a risk unit at a senior management level, um, which is responsible for risk. And whether our risk is functional, um, the the risk 
features at three levels of our our governance. Uh, we deal with this aspect is that at uh, operational level, we deal with it at exco level, we deal with it at uh, under the oversight of the audit and risk committee. So the audit and risk committee is very rigorous with us when it comes to this uh, risk uh, for the for the institution. Uh, so that is where we are really uh, taken to task. And I can assure you, we don't have consultants doing risk. Uh, like every other aspect of our work, we do homegrown internally. Uh, so we don't cut and paste from any any Google or any documents and say this is our risk. I can assure you that Chair, we, we really get engaged with the risks. And every unit uh, with the risk manager sits and really go through a proper workshop engagement on the risks that are affecting or other uh, emanating from each area. And even in the course, we have risk champions which the risk manager nationally here work with to make sure that uh, risk is uh, is internalized and institutionalized as part of our as, of our business. So the answer is yes, it's functional. Yes, it's monitored even at audit and risk level as well as the role that the risk manager uh, play in that role. Um, so uh, that that is, that is that is how far I can I, I assure you, Chairperson, that is fully uh, capacitated and all that. Um, except to say that our, our risk manager resigned, so we are filling the post. I think the post will be filled very soon. There's already been advertised as soon as the manager left the end of January, we advertised that our one is coming. So there's there's nothing that is falling into the cracks uh, and the work is being done. And I can assure you, for instance, we have 100% e-disclosure of the SMS is at the end of April um, to just as an example to show that our risk function is really functional. Um, the issue of the Tata and I'm sorry, the library uh, and 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 uh, that you have not seen it in our indicators. Some of the issues I will leave to the to the head of court, uh, of court administration. I think the DDG and the chief director they will deal with this aspect of the librarians and their support and why they don't appear in the APP, we also have a an operational plan, uh, which deals with some of the aspects that might not necessarily appear on the APP, uh, as well as other areas that uh, the director's court operation will be held accountable for. And I will leave that to and ask the court administration to deal with that. Mr. Nube will deal with that with advocate Botrider on that. Uh, as well as uh, dealing with the disposal of court of old court documents, which is obviously a very problematic issue for all the courts because the Arch national archives are full. Um, putting documents online requires huge amounts of money, which we don't have. On the other side, budgets are being cut. It's really being between a hard rock and a hard place. Uh, but we do try to make sure that we find a, a ways within our mega budget to find ways that we can be able to manage that. But that I must concede is a problem with regard to court documents because of the bulk uh, of the of, of the of the documents that we have. And we think that maybe beyond and after the court online, this problem will begin to recede. Although the historical legacy of the documents will still have to be attended to. Um, I know that uh, the. Justice Department has had that project. Court administration will talk more on that and deal with that. Uh, on the support to the librarians, 
yeah, I think I've already mentioned that the quiet administration. Uh, Nati and Marlis can deal with that. Thanks, SG. Um, the on the library issue, um, the SG has already indicated that the we actually have. Uh, that as one of our KPIs on our operational plan. Uh, but I think it's important as well to mention that um, the, the, we, we have committees that we have set up for librarians, uh, which is chaired by one of the directors here. So whatever information in terms of support that librarians need, they can get it uh, from, the, uh, from the directors responsible at national level, but also uh, that forum um, was created so that there can be a, sh a sharing of information with particular reference to assist them to access uh, the Kushnal Court Library, which is one of the biggest. So they have that particular support directly, and as I've said, through that committee and through the chairperson. But the issue of, the, of, 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 of course, purchasing of books, uh, is, is still an issue that uh, 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 is with the Department of Justice. We are able to buy some books, but in the main, the Department of Justice is responsible for that, and they have contracts in place to do that. In view of where we are in terms of technology, a, a decision was then uh, taken to say, uh, instead of buying all the books that would need uh, physical updating, most of it is then done online, and that resource is always available, uh, even at as far as Mutata. Now, of course, there is an element of human resource. Chairperson, uh, uh, you would you would know that uh, we we are struggling with the issues of of, of capacity. Almost all departments. Um, we have a librarian, and it's quite a good librarian at Mutata. Um, uh, it, it might be that he believes that he needs uh, maybe an assistant. Uh, however, at this point in time, uh, we, we, when we prioritize, we'll prioritize the librarian, and we will then see, make arrangements within uh, to have somebody who would then be an assistant as and when required. Uh, it, it happens in most of the positions with, with us, unfortunately, we can only have one court manager. If the court manager is not there, we definitely have to find somebody who must act or assist. We only have one chief registrar. If she's not or is not there, we have to find somebody that must assist. And that goes with every other uh, position, including that of a librarian. So that's the approach, but they always have support that is available to them as and when it is required. Now, when it comes to the issue of uh, disposal, of, of assets in general, but uh, whether it's books or, or some of the old court files, we are dealing with um, uh, two issues. The first one uh, is that we do have disposable committees as it is required uh, in terms of the prescripts at every provincial level. That committee will then sit and identify what needs to be disposed of and then follow the prescribed uh, process and report to national office. That's one part. So when there are issues of old books that uh, have been identified and must be disposed of, then they get disposed. I'm particularly uh, uh, was um, present at least before the, uh, the, the COVID hit in Eastern Cape 
when they were dealing with that particular issue and we dealt with it uh, to, to, to what was expected, at least in my view. So that's the first part. But the issue of space is as a result of the court files where we are running out of space. And that is because uh, the, the high court, uh, superior court files cannot be, uh, unfortunately, be destroyed. Um, and this is where, why we've then at OCJ come up with one, as she has said, the court online will assist going forward, but it can't deal with obviously the legacy problem. And as a result, we have made a submission to IJS, which has not been approved at this point, to assist us with digitization of old records. Once all the old records, which run into millions, really have been digitized, we should then be able to uh, make space for the old ones. But um, I, 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 I can just inform you that it's a, it's a, it's a concern that we all share at all levels, it, it, particularly uh, with, the, with the big divisions. It's a, it's a serious problem, but it's a problem that we are trying to find solutions for. And the main solution is to have those records digitized so that um, if we are able to dispose of them, then we can, but we can't dispose when they have not been digitized. Uh, I hope I've covered everything, SG. Um, yeah, from my, yeah, I think you covered, no, no, something about the training of librarians. Yes. I if you touched on that, did you? Yes, um, there is such a training. Um, what we have done at OCJ, perhaps, which is not something that is done across the board, each, each position, for instance, as I've said, the librarians, we've, we've created a forum where all these uh, uh, librarians are able to meet quarterly and they also interact throughout. So there's information sharing that happens, but also there's an exposure that uh, the director who chairs this forum uh, has ensured that it happens, which is uh, access to the, to the constitutional court where they are able to access, but also they are able to receive uh, some kind of assistance whenever there is. Um, remember that they, they have, I'll call them workshop. I don't know if it's, 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 it's correct to say it's a training, but they have workshops uh, quarterly where uh, issues are being trained and information is being shared. So that's how we deal with it. Um, uh, which is, is this particular forum. And of course, um, we are happy to share that information if there is a need. Thank you, sir. Okay. Uh, SG? Yes, thank you, Chairperson. From, uh, from our side, I think we tried to cover everything. That's, that, that, that's fine. Just before I wrap up the last point, you yes. don't need to answer it now, but there was a the deputy judge president of the court, and there is something very interesting that uh, I also don't see in the APP, uh, that of uh, producing these uh, uh, judgments, uh, this law, and then we end up going to buy them back from Jutas and Van Veik. Uh, that you are saying there's a gap. There's supposed to be a project that we do so that we ourselves as creators of this are able uh, to produce this and uh, 
It could be what you call self-sustainability kind of a project. Uh, so there's nothing like that that you do. Um, the chairperson, I'm not sure whether I should answer that now or leave it for later. You said I could, I shouldn't. I can exercise that option. But just to say, uh, and Nati can come in because the judges have raised exactly the same thing at their forum as a head of court. And um, uh, obviously there are more dynamics involved than simply uh, us having the capacity to take a judgment of every court that is reportable and translating it and into what is a reportable case for public consumption and academic use, et cetera. So there's, there's a lot of dynamics involved. So um, it, we are alive to that. The judges are really are unhappy about that. The entire judgeship is very unhappy about that. That costs a lot of money to buy from Judas Start, Lexis, et cetera. And those contracts are run through Justice Department, as you would know. Um, but they, we have internally uh, looked at that matter. Um, the, the maybe Nati, do you want to give some highlights on the on the project? It's a project of the judiciary, so um, maybe at the right time, let's share it later on. Yeah, let's leave it at that. We can give highlights, but that's that's a project that we're going to be interested in. We can come back to it, uh, but Nati okay. can say whatever he wants to say in a minute. But it's All an right. important project. Okay, yeah. we know it's yeah. Oh, sorry, yes. proceed, proceed, Nati. Oh, yes, I, I just wanted to say that firstly, uh, if you look at our APP chair, you would see there is something there which is called monitoring reports on law reporting project. Yes. So that is what you are talking about. Uh, I have to in indicate that um, it's, it's it, as Ashley has said, it's something that uh, the former Chief Justice was very particular about and the heads of court, of course, uh, wanted this particular issue to be addressed. There has been, um, it's, it's, a, it's a very long exercise. We were tasked as OCJ to engage with different jurisdictions uh, to yes. see if we, there are things we can learn from them. But we have started the project. So what, the only highlight perhaps that I'm, if I may be at liberty to share, was that for a starter, we wanted to have a portal where all judgments um, will be deposited, which will serve as a repository. So, so that judges are able to access them irrespective of where the judgment was. And from there, we can then embark on making sure that we get to a point where they produce their own law reports, if one wants to call it that. But it's going to require a lot of money. It requires a, a lot of systems to be put in place. Um, and, and it's really going to be a phased-in approach. Uh, but this is where we are now, and we are working on that. And you see that particular uh, uh, KPI in that uh, report. That, that's all I can share, SG, at this point and, and check. Okay. No, thank you, SG. Um, we will we'll, uh, basically travel that journey with you. Um, uh, you know that uh, it, it's been raised. And so if it was a project that you are doing at, uh, at your own leisure, we want that project to become real, uh, given its importance and, and so on. So uh, unless uh, any member wants to raise anything else, I uh, see Honorable Swart, that's your old hand. I think that's a legacy hand. If, if, if none, uh, therefore want to thank you, SG and your team. Um, uh, your final comment before we... Awesome. 
wrap up. No, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson and Honourable Members, for engaging with us. We've noted the areas of your concern, and to the extent that it is under our control, we'll ensure that we manage those, and those dependencies, of course, will be managed as we try to move forward. And thanks for your support and for your guidance. Thank you so much on behalf of the team. Thank you, SG and the OCJ team. Thank you very much, Honourable Members. Um, for your interrogation, as always, uh, being on top of your game on these issues. Um, we had promised Honorable Swart that will we'll, we'll be done before you leave. So that's that's the end of it, Honorable Swart, and I think uh, you've not uh, missed uh, anything. Uh, in that uh, way, I want to thank you and then say the meeting at uh, this point is adjourned. Thank you, Chair. Recording stopped.